You are listening to the Gateway Church in Spring Lake, Michigan. To learn more, visit us at thegatewaygh.com. This morning that we're going to finish a mini-series on the topic of money. And, uh, and I just think, man, three weeks spending on money at the risk of being misunderstood, at the risk of someone say, that church, all they talk about is money, right? Right? Uh, we have really been plowing through and talking about personal finances. We've been talking about debt-free living, right? really learning to handle God's money, God's way. And we've realized that in the Bible, there are a lot of scriptures on money and possessions. We've uh, looked at that over the past two weeks. We've made some progress, and the Holy Spirit has helped us, no doubt. Uh, But I'm realizing that this is a journey. It's more than a two-week journey or a three-week journey. This is a life journey. There's not a destination when it comes to how we spend our money. And as I was praying and just reflecting over the last two weeks and then thinking about this week, the Lord brought to my attention a verse that I've committed to memory, Romans chapter 12, verse 2. I want you to turn there and you'll see how it kind of relates and how it's going to set us up for this morning. Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says this, says, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Do not be conformed. And and what that means, don't be formed or shaped like what? Like the world. And you say, what does the world look like? The world looks like in regards to the way it views money, money has become an idol to most people in this world. How many would agree and understand what I'm saying? The Bible says the love of money is the root of all evil. In, the, in our culture, there's this uh, desire for more and more and more. Consumerism, consumption of goods and services is ridiculous. And I don't care if you're on the low end or if you're you know, living large. Uh, no matter what, if you live in North America, the, what we consume as North American people is ridiculous compared to the rest of the world. And then you throw in there the opportunities to buy now and pay later. And, uh, that, can, uh, you know, and uh, that talks to debt and all those things. The world, the system that the world models is not God's best for you. In fact, I would say what's normal in the world? Normal is broke. And we don't want to be broke. Normal is self-centered, not God-centered. Normal is in many cases, scared and not knowing. And, um, you know, there's debt piled up and not knowing where the next meal could come from or how we're going to make ends meet. The Bible says, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world. That's what the world offers. But be transformed, right? That means to be changed by God's word and put it into our hearts and our minds into our spirit, into our lives. And we are transformed by the renewing of our minds. How do, what's the best way to renew our minds? is through the Word of God. And so let me just remind you, as we get rolling here, of some of the verses we've talked about over the last couple weeks. The first one is 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 6. And related to money, it says, But godliness with contentment is great gain. 
When you put God and finances, you interact those things, and you say, all right, I, godliness with contentment, it is phenomenal. And we talked about knocking out discontentment in our lives. And if we're going to do that, we need to cultivate gratitude. we got to stop the comparing game. You say, how in the world would I do this? We looked at Paul as the example in Philippians chapter 4. Verse 12, Paul said, I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in every or in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. And you say, how does that happen? He found his strength. Look what it says. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength through him who gives me strength. It's Jesus. It's Jesus Christ in being helping us to live contented life. And by the way, content people don't always have the best of everything, but they make the best of everything. And I want to be a content person. How many want to be content, all right, to grow in that area? Absolutely. The second idea that we talked about, this was last Sunday, we talked about stewardship. And it's an old-fashioned word. It really means that we are managers. Psalm 24, Psalm 24, verse 1 says, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it, for he founded on the seas and established it in his waters. Uh, Verse 1 and 2. Everything belongs to the Lord. In Psalm 50, verse 10, it's that verse that says that that God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. That's the one that brings reference to that. And the truth is we are managers. We are not owners. We are not owners of anything. We just manage God's resources. So we've got to pay attention. We said that last week. We've got to bring excellence into what we do. And we need to work hard. There's no excuse for idleness. And it's interesting. What does it look like when we get confused about our role of manager versus owner? We start thinking we're an owner. So we kind of flip-flop. We say, okay, maybe I do own some things. Or maybe I worked hard and I, uh, that's mine. And uh, instead of saying, this is God's and I'm just a manager of that. What happens when those get out of whack? It kind of comes full circle. What happens is that's when discontentment sneaks in. It's the truth. So we're talking about stewardship. We're talking about contentment. And these are not one-time events. Uh, These are not uh, one that we hear it once and we get it figured out. This is a journey. And it's really not even about money so much as it is about the person in the mirror, right? The heart issues here. It's a discipleship thing. And it's something we need to all work on. Well, today we're going to add a third idea. So we talked about contentment and then stewardship. Today we're going to add the third idea of momentum. And I've been excited to talk about that. But with all three of these things, again, three weeks is not enough. We are just scratching the surface. And because of that, we are offering Financial Peace University, which starts January 7th. And it will be in the new building, Lord willing. And uh, what a great example that will be in a debt-free building. 
to really handle our finances. And I just want to encourage you that as we talk about finances over these last few weeks, if God's been stirring in you, you're saying, man, I need to do that. I need to sign up. Listen, it's so easy. You go to DaveRamsey.com and you can sign up for the event. And uh, it, we want you, it's nine Monday nights. It's a small group and it is with the Holy Spirit's help. It will help you get traction. And I believe that many of us need to be in there. And I'm going to be there. I'm going to be helping lead it, lead it. And it's going to be an incredible, incredible small group. And so uh, if the Lord puts that on your heart, get on your phone, sign up and uh, make that happen. All right. So we're talking about momentum today. And uh, look, I've been looking forward to this. Uh, I really, since the beginning uh, or that late summer into the fall, as I was studying and thinking about this series, and, uh, but it's not an easy topic because it's talking about money, and money is always tricky. Uh, it's, it's hard because it requires some change in our lives, and it requires us to be uh, adult-like. And even if you're a student here, when we talk about this, it requires a level of maturity. And let's just all be honest that we can recognize that inside all of us, there's a little kid that inside of us at times will creep its ugly head and say things like, I want that, or I need that, or even worse, I deserve that, right? And that little kid inside, it happens, right? And we've got to identify that. And we, and, and because those ideas are exactly opposite of what momentum and the momentum that we need in our, in our, uh, in our journey. We're talking about getting some serious traction this morning. It's the third part of this series. And you say, is it really possible in my circumstances to get some traction? And I want to say, yes, absolutely, it's possible. But why, first of all, do people not get it? Well, I was reading um, this last week in our soap reading, and it's interesting how God does this, but in our soap reading, uh, Bible reading, our, uh, let's see, it's Proverbs chapter 21, 21 verse 20. I was reading along, and this verse jumped out at me. It says this, and it sheds some light on why people don't get momentum in their finances. Listen to this. It says, The wise store up choice food and olive oil, but fools gulp theirs down. I pause there and I say, okay, wow. That's an interesting verse. What it's saying is that if you're wise, you're going to create some savings, create some reserves, and it kind of builds up, and they would have built it up in silos and, and, or in some uh, uh, barns and where they could kind of go back later. And, and, and in our case, it's you know, building up savings. But fools, I'm not, I'm not calling you fool, but the Bible does, fools gulp down all that they have. Foolish people, they devour, they blow all their money. You say, well, how can I say this, right? Well, the, re the reason I can say that, and even in the church, most people spend every red cent that they get, and it shows up in regards to the statistics about their giving, and I know this is not a series on giving. I want to be careful about that. But last week, we looked at a few statistics. And we, the American way is to live first, save some, and then give if there's any left over. 
And that's not God's best. And the reason that happens is because we're not content. We're not being good stewards. Now, does that mean people don't love the church? No. Does it mean that people are greedy? No. Does it mean that consumerism is winning? Maybe. I'm not sure. But listen, our giving is a symptom of the problem. You say, well, why is that? Well, there's no momentum. The problem is that there's no momentum that most Americans are flat broke. 70%, according to the Wall Street Journal, of uh, North Americans are living paycheck to paycheck to paycheck. They're not getting ahead. And too many people are beating their heads on the walls. And they're, they're seeing the truth of Proverbs chapter 22, verse 7, which says, uh, the rich rule over the poor and the borrower is slave to the lender. There are people that are living in slavery where they see their money come in and then it goes right back out. And even worse, they're accumulating more debt. And you say, is that living the dream? That's what the series is called, Living the Dream. Is that the American dream? Well, listen, there is a better dream. And it's debt-free living. And it's a permanent change, a permanent shift that I'm praying will happen in all of our hearts and in all of our minds. And with the Holy Spirit's help and with some good training, God's people can learn to handle God's money God's way. And it's a discipleship issue. And the truth is, if we're going to live the dream, we must get some momentum. And so let's talk about it. Momentum, if you look it up uh, and you type it into Google, momentum, you may have something pop up, the big mo. Um, I've read some books on leadership that talk about momentum, and it, uh, it'll say the big mo, and you can actually go to Wikipedia about the big mo, and it talks about some different things. Uh, one of the very first things it talks about is sports. Uh, when a team or an athlete has it, the big mo, the big momentum, good things happen. How many know what I'm talking about? When the things shift to their favor, right? The same thing happens in relationships. When you have momentum in your relationships, good things happen. In business or in sales, when you have momentum, it's almost like uh, you, you can't do anything wrong, right? The good things happen even politically, and we've seen it recently. Uh, there have been some parties, some individuals that have gained some momentum, and it has really made the difference, whether you like it or you don't. That's not what we're talking about. But even with money, and it, uh, maybe even especially with money, when you have momentum in your finances, oh man, it makes a huge huge difference. You get traction. You see progress. You, you, you see momentum. And I'd really, this is the truth, that when you think about winning in any area of your life, you need momentum. And it doesn't just happen. It's not like this random occurrence that just miraculously appears, and you're like, oh, now I've got momentum. You have to create it. You don't just sit back and pray and wish for God or wait for God to, mo to move on your behalf. No. You and I have a role in seeing momentum created. And as I've been studying that, and really for the past several months, uh, I actually thought I was going to do this whole series and call it Momentum, but I, we just made it for the last, last day. But there's a 
momentum theorem that you can find online that is very, very interesting. It's an equation, and I want to introduce it to you, and then we want to talk about it. This is the equation. It's Fi over T, parentheses G, equals M. And you're saying, what in the world? Are we going to math class, right? Listen, we, it's an equation. Let me explain it. This is how it goes. It goes focused intensity over time multiplied by God equals, and I would say, unstoppable momentum. And the truth is, if you get this equation into any area of your life, you're going to see progress, but especially in handling your money. So let's look at it. We're going to break it down. Let's talk about focus to start. When we look at focus and we think about our culture that we live in, our culture is ADD. It's like it goes 100 miles a minute and it goes in so many different directions. And the truth is, when you try to do everything at once, it's like you're running around with, with like a chicken with their head cut off. How many know have seen that before? I had a first-hand opportunity. I was in Africa a few years ago, and uh, I thought it would be awesome if I could cut the head of a chicken right off. And so the guys there, they're like, yeah, let's do it. And they're like, well, the first thing is you got to catch the, kid, the stupid chicken. And uh, I am ashamed to say I could not catch a chicken. I tried for probably three or four minutes, and I'm like, forget it. And a couple of the other guys, they kind of trapped one and got one. And uh, one of the guys came over and handed it to me, and I grabbed the neck. They hand me the machete, and I'm thinking, I'm all this. And I'm thinking, all right, I'm doing it, right? I'm, I, this is my one and only chance, you know? I didn't grow up on a farm. I grew up in the city. And they had this little chop block that was like this big. It wasn't big. And they're like, all right, there you go. And, and I see that there's all this blood around, and I'm like, oh, okay. And so I get that down, and I have it here. And I go to take a whack, and I half did it. And I like, poof, and it's stuck. And blood splattered all over me, added to the blood on the field. I failed, and so I took another whack, and it went right through. Bam! That time, no problem. That, and what happened is that chicken fell off that little block. I had the head in my hand, and that little chicken went, doo, 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 doo. <laughs> and it wasn't like all crazy, but it was, it was, I remember that. I hope I never forget. And that's the way our culture is. It's like, psh, it's all over the place, right? And what we need is a little focus momentum starts with focus. And, and that little chicken, it, it, it doesn't get any traction. It's headed for the table. And uh, I guess that's a good thing. But anyway, but, uh, but we need traction. You know, uh, how many football fans do we have here? Any football fans? All right, we got a bunch. All right, I like that. Um, it's football season. And I heard this last week that NFL doesn't stand for National Football League anymore. It, it stands for not for long. And... Uh, <laughs> The idea is that if you make it to the NFL, right now, the average player uh, plays for less than four seasons. So less than four years, and then they're done. And so, like, if you make it, you better, you know, take your time. But, but there are some greats, some that make it past those four years. Think of your favorite players that have played for 10 years, or 8 years, or 12 years, or 20 years. Or, I mean, it's ridiculous, right? The greats, how do they make it? 
they learn to focus. They are laser focused on their game. Their workouts, their exercise, what they eat, the discipline, their study in the game. Uh, these NFL players uh, are fantastic. The ones that make it long-term, they're focused. And think about your favorite quarterback. Uh, one of my friends, I, I watch football during the season on Sunday nights, and uh, his favorite, uh, his name is Darrell. He's like almost 90 years old. and we, we, His favorite NFL uh, quarterback is Tom Brady, uh, plays for the Patriots. And I mean, it's hard not to root for the guy. He's, uh, he's like uh, magic, right, on the field. But think about his focus, a quarterback, right? Listen, I don't want to be hit by any football player, not even once, not even at half speed. <laughs> but think about it. He's got to remain focused when he hears those footsteps coming, when he sees out of the peripheral that he's about to get slammed, and he stays focused, and he makes that pass, and it's, and it's golden, and he still gets hit. And I mean, I don't want... I mean, maybe if I made his salary, I would say, you can hit me once. But that's all. <laughs> Instead of not for long, it would be <laughs> only once and, uh, uh, for me. But anyway, but listen, it, he, he tackles that fear. He deals with it. The other thing is he's gotta, he, he can't get too greedy, can't go too much, can't overestimate. Uh, it takes focus to make the play. And think about it with our money. Our money... You've got to have focus. You've got to pay attention. You've got to look at the details once in a while. This is the truth. I've been behind some folks, and maybe you've been here, and I'm not making fun of you at all. It's sad, really. Uh, but there's been times where I've been behind a line at McDonald's or at Qdoba, and it's like um, someone pulls out to pay for their meal, they pull out the credit card and they swipe it. And they're like, I'm sorry, there's no funds. Or this is declined. And they say, oh, wrong card. And they get the next card. Swipe, wrong card, or, or denied, no funds. I've seen it where it's been three or four cards before they get one to work. That has got to feel horrible, embarrassing. And the reason is because they don't pay attention. What's worse is you've got a debit card in your wallet, some of you, and maybe after lunch today, you're going to go out and you're not sure if there's money or not and you know that it'll just flip from debit to credit and you'll deal about it later. Listen, we've got to pay attention. We've got to pay attention. We've got to focus when it comes to finances. The second portion of that, the little I of that equation is intensity. And I like this. Uh, intensity moves things, doesn't it? Intensity makes things happen. You combine intensity with focus, and you are ready to start building momentum. At a football game, again, I played football when I was uh, in junior high, 7th <laughs> and 8th grade, and then my parents said, you can't play. My dad said, I can't play in high school because in high school, my dad hyperextended his knee like this way, and, um, and like someone hit him here, and uh, he struggled with his knee ever since, and he's like, you're not playing in high school, and so I didn't. But in, in junior high, they taught us that intensity is important, especially on the first hit of the game. That when you line up that first time, you better be ready to hit that other guy harder than they're going to hit you. That's what they told me. 
It's intensity. And you think about that in a game. And you think about even uh, when the game's going, the guy on the sideline who's got some crazy intensity, the guy who's painted up his chest and is out there in the cold, it's snowing, and, and he's representing his team. I mean, I, maybe we don't need that. But, uh, but listen, it takes some intensity. With money, you can wander into debt. It can kind of happen little by little, but you cannot wander out of it. You must be intense. How many have heard the phrase being gazelle intense in regards to your money? Anybody? Okay, a few of you. All right. That would do what you know what that tells me? That all the rest of you need to be in Financial Peace University in January. And maybe we'll lock the doors and make you sign up before you leave. I don't know. But Dave Ramsey talks about being gazelle intense. And I'm going to go on a little Dave rant here just for a second because I can. And we're, uh, we're not locking the doors, but no one's leaving. Listen, what Dave Ramsey says, he says, if you handle God's money God's way, look what it says in Proverbs chapter 6. He says, my son, if you have put up security for your neighbor, and if you've shaken hands and pledged with a stranger, you have been trapped by what you said, ensnared by the words of your mouth. In other words, if you find yourself in debt, or worse, you've co-signed for someone. That's bad news, right? But you find yourself in debt. Do this, verse 3, so my son, to free yourself since you've, been, since you've fallen into your neighbor's hands. And it says, go to the point of exhaustion and with humility and give your neighbor no rest. Allow no sleep to your eyes, no slumber to your eyelids. Free yourself like a gazelle from the hand of the hunter. And if you sign up, you're going to see it in January. Uh, it's a great little clip um, uh, that Dave Ramsey has. He shows a gazelle running from a lion that's about to get him. And it's like, and, he, and <laughs> Dave Ramsey, he's like, you've got to run, you've got to run, you've got to run to get out of debt. And I'm doing a poor job. I mean, uh, Dave Ramsey does it better. But listen, the idea is you have to have some intensity when it comes to your finances, especially if you're in a place of indebtedness. Focused intensity. The next part of the equation is time. Time. Intensity, yes, moves things, but only if it's done over time. And let's just be honest, this is the hardest part of the theorem. 1 Corinthians 9.24, Paul says that we're in a race, we're running, and we're running to get the prize, right? Well, that race that he's talking about is not a 50-yard sprint or a 200-meter journey. It's more like a marathon. Our life is like that in, in regards to the race and the, the time it takes to train for a marathon and even to compete in a marathon is, is significant. And the same is true in our finances. It takes time. How many of you remember reading this, or maybe you've read it uh, to your kids, or it was read to you when you were a kid, the book, The Tortoise and the Hare? How many of you remember that? I, I mean, uh, the turtle beats the rabbit every single time. There's no surprise. And it's because the turtle was consistent and never stopped over time. Listen, if you were going to live the dream, the idea of combining your finances with your faith, that's what this series is about. 
There are no quick fixes. There, it's crockpot business, not microwave, if you know what I mean. It takes perseverance. It does not happen overnight. And with money, the good news is, the good news is that even if your situation is slow moving and ugly like the turtle and the tortoise and the hare, you can and still will succeed. And uh, it's just the case. So no matter where you are, if you plug in that T, the little bit of time, and maybe for some it's a little longer, you can make progress. Focus intensity over time. That last piece of the equation is the God piece. And this is my favorite part. And really, it's the most important part to the theorem. The idea of I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength, right, uh, is found in, first, uh, or in Philippians 4. And that, remember, is in the content, context of being content. How important is that? We've got to be content, and we're going to see God do things in our lives that are awesome. Well, momentum does not happen without a God factor. In life, anything that's worth anything, anything of lasting significance, we need God to be in the mix. Amen? God is the power source. He's the one that makes the difference. Now, with money, in the worldly sense, uh, people talk about compound interest, that it's the eighth wonder of the world, how it multiplies every seven years, doubles, and, and things like that. It's, it's, it's compound interest is wonderful, right? But on the spiritual side, God is the one that breathes the supernatural into our circumstances. Turn with me to Luke chapter 18. It, it says, in Luke chapter 18, it says, What's impossible with man is possible with God. What's impossible with man is possible with God. So you may be looking at your circumstance and saying, there's no way I'll ever get out of debt. There's no way I'll ever get traction, like Pastor Ben is saying. There's no way. Listen, with God, all things are possible. You do not have to continue in that cycle of poverty. You may have grown up poor, but you do not have to be poor. You, listen, God can move supernaturally in your circumstance if you invite him into your circumstances. God is the multiplier. See, that we could have the first part of the equation, the focus intensity over time, and that will lead to some good results just naturally. But how many know that you will wear yourself out in a circumstance like that? But you take that focus intensity over time and you offer it to God, you give it to God, then God steps into your effort and gives you energy and the ability to run and run and run. That's what I want. Proverbs chapter 28, verse 26 gives us a picture of that, uh, the idea of, of us doing it on our own. Look what it says. This is, this is interesting. Uh, Proverbs 28, let's go there just for a second. Proverbs 28, verse 26. Thought I had it marked. There it is. It says, those who trust in themselves are fools, but those who walk in wisdom are kept safe. Let me explain. 
that those who trust in themselves. If you are like, okay, I'm going to have focus intensity and it's going to take some time, you don't include God, the Bible says you're foolish. You, you don't want to just do it on your own strength, but then in those who walk in wisdom, in other words, that you get the God component, they're kept safe. You, in other words, there's going to be some momentum. You're going to be safeguarded. It is the God factor that makes the difference. It's the God factor, Romans 12, 2, where it says we will be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Living the dream where finances and faith intersect and collide. And it's beautiful. And God, he wants that to be the case. Sparks fly. Momentum happens when those things come together. Now, one of my favorite pastors that I've listened to for years um, is Robert Morris. He's a pastor in Texas at a church called Gateway Church. And sometimes people say, are you guys connected with Gateway Church? It's like a you know, mega church. And, and I kind of look and be like, no, we're not. <laughs> but sometimes I wish we were, right? It, it's awesome. But he wrote a book and really did a series on the blessed life. And Jessica's dad, um, Jerry here, wave at everybody, years ago, you remember giving me the VHS copy of the blessed life. And he said, man, you got to listen to this. And I've watched that a few times, and I've read the book, The Blessed Life, then The Blessed Church. The, Robert Morris, he has got a lot to say in regards to finances, and I've really appreciated it over time. It's really made a difference. But he says this. He says, the way to win with money is to be generous and to be a good steward. He said he boils it down to those two things. It's kind of like Dave Ramsey, I mentioned last week, that giving is the key to winning with money. You've got to have a giving portion. Now, I know it's not a giving series, and so we've got to be careful there, right? But Robert Morris, he sets up two scenarios that do not work, but people will try over and over and over and think they're going to get momentum that does not happen. And it's in regards to stewardship and generosity. Let me lay out the first scenario. The first scenario is this, that you find a family or a couple or an individual that lives below their means. In other words, they are good stewards of the money that God has given them. All right, so you got someone doing good, good stewardship, but they are stingy in their giving, and they are not generous. So there's an imbalance here. And really, that's a recipe to stay stuck in your financial circumstances. But he, Robert Morris says this, God cannot bless you because it's against his nature. It's going against God's word if you're not generous and a good steward. He lays out another scenario. He says, there are some, and I, I've known people like this, that are super generous people or have a huge, generous heart. And you're saying, yeah, that's me, right? Generosity. So they got the generosity down, but they do not live below their means. In other words, they spend more than they have coming in. They are not good stewards. They're generous, They've got a generous heart, but it, there's an imbalance. And Robert Morris says the same thing. He says, look, God cannot bless you. It's against his nature. You can't just pick and choose. And I understand we all wrestle with these things, stewardship and generosity. There's not one of us that are perfect here. We're all trying to learn. 
And I say this because I want us to grow in these areas. I want us to create momentum. And again, that momentum comes from focus intensity. Let's put the uh, equation up. Over time, multiplied by God, that's how you get momentum. So if you stay focused and shed all the distractions, if you are consistent over a long period of time, if you stay intense and passionate, you will see unstoppable momentum in your life and in your finances, the way you handle your money. And the cool thing is, let's just dream for a second. Can you imagine decades from now, your kids, your grandkids, they will see the effect of doing it God's way. Future generations here at the Gateway Church will see its effect of God's people doing it. Can you, can you see that with me? How beautiful that will be? See, momentum makes the difference. I, I put in my notes here, it actually makes you look better than you really are. And Jessica said, you need to explain that. She said that between services. Uh, the idea is, you know, on your best day, you're probably not as good as you are. And on your worst day, you're probably not as bad as you are. Well, momentum, it makes you look good, right? Even, you, you might not be that good, but it look, makes you look good. Does that make sense? Am I, then, I don't know. That maybe, maybe it's a bad point. But the idea is if you get it right, you can build wealth, you can give, and most importantly, you can make an impact in the kingdom of God. And you can do that personally. Your business can do that. And our church, we can do that. Turn with me to one more scripture. It's in, in Exodus chapter 36. This is a verse that we've used in our building campaign as we've been raising funds and, and uh, we've alluded to it, although I'm not sure we've ever read this verse. Uh, we've, uh, let me read it and then I'll explain it. Uh, well, actually, let me set it up first. This is when, um, this is when Moses is uh, asking for people to give to build the tabernacle. And so you can see the parallel with us in our building situation. Um, but if you back up several chapters, the children of Israel had been really messing up their walk with the Lord. They had all kinds of idols and their golden calves and, and a lot of a, just a lot of evil things happening. And Moses comes down off the, off the mountain and he's got the Ten Commandments and, and people, uh, they see his glory, the glory of God all over Moses and they repent. And then they say, we want to create a space for our God to be able to be. And, and out of their repentant heart and out of the change in their heart, they start to give to, get, to build the temple. And in verse 6, it says, Then Moses gave an order and sent this word throughout the camp. No man or woman is to make anything else as an offering for the sanctuary. And so the people were restrained from bringing more because what they already had was more than enough to do all the work. And um, we've, we've mentioned that verse saying, we will let you know when we get to that point in regards to our building campaign. And uh, we're making great progress, and we celebrated last week, and that was fun. Uh, we've, uh, our shortfall is, has been eradicated, but there are things that are popping up here and there, and uh, it's expensive to get to the finish line. And so if the Lord puts it on your heart, continue to give. Uh, God bless you for that. But, but, but I read this because 
the people, they understood at that moment. And that's what happens when God's people live according to God's plan. There will be more than enough. God is a God of abundance, of fruitfulness when we do things His way. There's unstoppable momentum when we get on God's plan. We can accomplish God's mission when we follow His plan. Now, I want to wrap this up and ask the worship team to come and we're going to set our hearts before the Lord. I really wish to the Lord that I could do this for you. Live on a budget, spend less than you make, give first, then save, then live, like we talked last week. I wish I could do that for you. But the truth is, it's personal finance. It's not Pastor Ben setting your budget or living in your budget. Jessica and I, she was here first service. We try to be good examples, but we are far from perfect in regards to this. But we've made some good progress over the years. God has helped us. We've been through (laughs) Financial Peace University uh, probably six or seven times, not only going through it individually, but... uh, Uh, leading classes, and every time it's so good. At the church, it's a priority of mine as your pastor. Just want you to know whether you knew or not, but we live underneath our means, below our means. In other words, whatever the tithes and offerings that come in, we do not overspend. That's over the years has caused us to create some serious reserves here at the Gateway Church. And uh, in the last couple years, uh, uh, tens of thousands of dollars of soft costs before we pulled the trigger for the building. We were able to uh, absorb that from our general fund because we've always lived uh, within our means. Just this last week, uh, Greg Wilson, just stand real quick. This is Greg. He's one of the guys on our board. He came in and said, hey, I've been looking at our, our finances, and he says, we are, we're not overspending, even in this season with the building. Because it's, it's been tough to kind of get a clear picture. Uh, but he says, look, we are, we're spending less than we've brought in this year. And I said, praise the Lord, because that's what we've always said we want to do. And we model that. You say, why would we do that personally? Why would we do that as an organization, as a church? It's for momentum's sake, right? And ultimately, it's for impact in the kingdom of God. That's the reason why. And I get it. Some of you have been sitting here for a couple weeks, or you're sitting here today, and you're saying, well, that's good for the church. Man, I'm glad to be a part of a church like that. But you can't see it in your own mind. You can't put the pieces together to see it as even a possibility. And I want to just paint a picture that it's absolutely possible that personally, each of us can live according to God's word, and it will create some momentum. And you say, why would we do that? Is it to increase our standard of living? There's nothing wrong with increasing our standard of living. The Bible says we should enjoy the fruit of our labor, right? But the ultimate reason is so we can increase our standard of giving and make an impact in the kingdom. The goal is not to save, 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 so that when we hit a magical age of 62 or 65 or 70 years old, that now we live 
the rest of our days as if we're on vacation. I mean, it's like, how many rounds of golf is it going to take before you're bored? Or how many times can you lay out on the beach and, uh, before you're bored? Or how many 4.30 buffets are there going to be before you're like, okay, I'm sick of this, like up to here, right? The ultimate goal is that we would make an impact for the kingdom of God. That's the ultimate goal. And if that's the case, we have to have a mindset that we are not going to give up. As I was studying, I ran across a quote from Winston Churchill from 1941. He was invited to give an address at Harrow School, which was his alma mater. And he stood up and sat down. It's one of it might have been his shortest speech, but it was very short, just a couple sentences long. And I'd like to read it. You can read along with me. This is his speech. This is Winston Churchill, 1941. He says, never give in. Never, 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 never. In nothing great or small, large or petty, never give in except to convictions of honor and good sense. Never yield to force, never yield to the apparently overwhelming might of the enemy. As I read that, that last little phrase jumped out at me. And the truth is, is that we live in a world where the enemy, he would love to destroy your financial situation. And we should never yield to his plan to the enemy. Instead, we should yield ourselves to what God's word says. And is it hard? Absolutely. Does it take time? Absolutely. Does it make a difference? Absolutely. And this morning, we want to set our hearts before the Lord and ask God, what are you saying? Holy Spirit, what are you saying in my circumstances? And the way we'd like to transition here is we'd like to uh, lead in a song it really talks about our, our debt, our indebtedness spiritually. And certainly at the, after, after the song, we are going to give a salvation call. And if you don't know the Lord, we're going to give you an opportunity to find Jesus this morning. But I want you to sing this song with some intensity, okay? Help, we're going to help you guys out, okay? And we're going to sing it with some intensity. But sing it with the mindset of money and maybe your personal situation. And so without further ado, let's stand and I'm going to pray. Lord, I ask that in these next few moments, as we set our hearts before you, we look for a time to respond and to, to ask you, what are you doing in our lives? God, I pray that you would do this. God, we give you the praise. We give you all the glory. Move in this place in these next few moments. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. <laughs> Hallelujah. If you're singing that song and you do have not had a relationship with the Lord. You're saying, what is the big deal? Free, free. Listen, the Bible says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. That's the freedom that comes. It's in Jesus. The Word of God says that we've all fallen, we've all made mistakes. There's not one of us here that are righteous. That means that we're right before God. 
And because of that, we need someone to pay for our sin. And Jesus is the one that did that. And what I want you to do is I want you to, just inside of your heart here for a moment, I want you just to examine yourself, say, have I made that decision to follow Christ? Do I know Jesus as my personal Savior? Has God taken away your sin and made your heart clean? The gift of God is eternal life. Jesus is the one that forgives us. If you're here this morning and you need forgiveness, you need Jesus to cleanse your sin, if you need salvation, I'm going to just ask that you raise your hand right where you are. There's no reason to delay. If you're here, yep. Yes, sir. I see your hand in the back. Yep. Anyone else who's saying, yep, that's me. I, if I were to die today, I don't know if I'd go to heaven or to hell. Listen, you can know for sure. Because Jesus, he will forgive you of your sins. Anyone else? Got a young man in the back. Anyone else saying, yep, I need salvation. I, I want to know for sure that Jesus is my Savior. For the sake of the one, could I just pause and lead us in a prayer? The words of this prayer are important, but it's really more important what you believe in your heart. And would, could you just say this with me? And young man in the back, say this with me. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, please forgive me for all my sin. Take it away. I believe you died on the cross and that you rose from the grave and you did it for me. And I'm giving you my life, my heart, all that I am. I'm yours completely in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And the angels in heaven rejoice, and we rejoice for the one. And we'll follow up with you. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Well, let's just wrap up our time here asking the Holy Spirit in regards to our finances. There were four components to this equation. It started with focus. And there are some here, let's just be honest, that need some focus in regards to your finances. And if you're here and things have been sloppy or things have you know, been out of control and you need to hone that in, you need to, to bring that back into focus, would you just lift your hand and just be honest and say, yep, that's me. Pray for me, Pastor. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, lots of hands, just like first service. You bet. The next part is intensity. Some of you just need to add a little oomph to what you're doing, and it would make the difference. Who here needs to add some intensity in their finances, saying, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a little more strategic. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get after this. I'm not going to just let it go. You know, the symptom of lack of intensity is once a month looking at your finances, okay? <laughs> All right, so you need to look at it more often. Focus, intensity, over time. How many say, man, I just need endurance because it's taken a long time? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I get that. And it does. And things don't seem to move right away. But then it's like a flywheel or a big snowball. Starts small, it gains momentum, gains some more snow. Every turn after that gets bigger and bigger. Listen, momentum, it takes time. If you need time, just again, say, yep, that's me. I need some time. Yeah, yeah. And the truth is, this is what I really sense in my spirit, even maybe even more so this service for some reason. 
there's a lot of us here that may have eliminated the God factor or you just didn't even consider it. And you need God to breathe on your finances. To, you need to release it to the Lord, that focus intensity over time. You multiply that by God. How many are here saying, just be honest, say, I need to invite God into my finances in this season. Yep. Yeah, thanks. Absolutely, right. Yep. And when we do that, it will create momentum. One last thing, I know we're over time. Uh, one of, our, one of my, our board members came up to me after first service, Ron Varga, and he said, he said to me, you know, if, can we put up that uh, equation again for a second? He said, you know, if you put a zero in any of those, if, if you have no focus or no intensity or there's no time, or even more importantly, if there's no God in the mix, that equation equals zero. Is that right? I trust Ron. He's, he's the math man. I thought, man. And so whether we got a little or a lot in any of these, let's increase these portions and trust God. Amen? Amen. Lord, I pray that you'd go before us, behind us, and all around us. God, help us this week. Uh, give us a takeaway that we can sink our teeth into whether that's signing up for Financial Peace University or uh, getting some focus or bringing some intensity or asking you, God, to help us along our journey. God, I pray that you would make a difference, that these three weeks would uh, not just be a, a three-week, but, Lord, that there would be long-term effect. Lord, surrendering to you our finances, putting our faith in you, but putting our trust in you. Lord, I pray you would do it. And God, we give you the praise and glory. Now I pray that you'd go before us, behind us, and all around us. We pray it in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen and amen. God bless you. Go in the grace of God. We love you, and we'll see you next week. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message from the Gateway Church. If you'd like to find out more about our church, such as service times, giving, and ways to get connected, visit us at thegatewaygh.com.